Hello, everyone, and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix. This is a very special live episode. This is not recorded. You are, unless you're listening to it after the fact. Um, but as always, I'm Chris, and I'm here with my friends Patrick. Wait, wait, what are you talking about? This is recorded. This will be an episode of the podcast, but also, yes, hello. Yes, there's like, you know, 10, 12, 20 people listening now, and then there's going to be a couple thousand listening to the recording. So I'm speaking to apparently the 10 who are in the room instead of the vast majority of the people who will hear this. Thousands Um, of fans, thousands. If you're a sponsor, we have hundreds of thousands of listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, and we're also here with Steven, as always. Hey, guys, I'm here, too. And we are here because, yeah, and we are here live because, uh, you know, a little bit of a horror on Netflix event happened just this past weekend with the launch of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, not to be confused with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and in parentheses 2022, if you're talking to people about it online. Um, but before we get into that, as always, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what else we watched horror wise in the last couple of weeks since you heard from us. And um, I actually have some news. I watched um, quite a bit of, of, of uh, horror content since we last met, um, but I watched the deep house uh, on what, what was that? I was on Hulu. I don't know what it was, but it's a, uh, it was all right. It was a haunted house movie that takes place in a sunken house in a lake in France and it was very much my like least favorite type of movie where people are just creeping around a, a house in the dark looking at spooky stuff waiting for spooky stuff but it all actually took place underwater and they were scuba diving the entire time and unlike some movies it looked like they actually shot most of the movie underwater and it was pretty fascinating to me for that reason um so you know it's a little interesting change of pace um and i also watched uh, john carpenter's in the mouth of madness for the first time and that oh, was phenomenal wow. it was phenomenal i wanted to see that for it's so long it's a great movie <laughs> isn't sam neill yeah. in that he is mm-hmm. fuck yeah it it might be one of my favorite john carpenter movies now like top three. Oh wow it's definitely top five for me and i just saw it within the last year for the first time i think and I would say it's probably one of his scariest movies. Like a lot of, you know, Master of Horror, be that as it may, most of John Carpenter's movies aren't viscerally scary. Uh, this one's probably one of his scarier ones. So um, if you've been living under a rock like me and you haven't seen John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, I would recommend that. Um, Steven, what have you been up to? Oh, well, I'm racking my brain. We had a shared experience, Chris. We we watched Frankenhooker with Joe Bob Briggs. We did, that and a... I, we could probably do a whole episode on that. <laughs> want, want a date? You got any money? <laughs> uh, really great movie that walks a fine line of awful taste. This is from the guy who directed Brain Damage and Basket Case, and it's essentially... Frankenstein with uh, a dead girlfriend who's pieced together with parts of hookers who have exploded by taking super crack at a party. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so really did walk the walk the line of, of taste. And that was I kind of had an issue with it. Um, but I in in my generous appraisal, I think it kind of bailed itself out at the very end of the movie. Did you mm-hmm. feel like it? Did you feel like it was ultimately at all a feminist film or was it just regressive as fuck? 
Oh god, I don't even know. I feel like I'm still turning this one over. But I, will say, <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't even seen this movie, and that sounds like an absurd question. Uh, yeah. I will say, I walk. I walked away feeling pretty clean. I didn't feel like I needed a, a moral shower by the end of that movie because any time that it goes over the line, it's tongue planted firmly in cheek. It's in on the joke. Um, it, would it be okay to make those jokes today? Probably not. But I think for a movie made in 1990, uh, it's about as woke as they come. It could have been worse. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, have I told you guys about my thoughts on Nightmare Alley. I can't remember if I brought that up on the show or not. No, I've been curious no. about that one, though. I have seen it, though, so well, we can trade takes. Oh, yeah. So I'm not a Del Toro fan, really. Um, as you guys know, I love the man himself. Uh, he's just a font of knowledge and passion and enthusiasm for horror. Uh, I love this movie. And I know people are very cold on it. Uh, there's a lot of complaints that, you know, Bradley Cooper isn't really given very much while well, his character is a cipher. So it kind of makes sense. Like I, I just found like a lot of the shortcomings that I was reading about online uh, were things I thought were pretty, pretty artfully done. Hmm. Um, and it's pretty, un I mean, pretty goddamn unsettling at times. You guys know, I love sort of circus and carnival mythology and all of the stuff with the geek and Willem Dafoe explaining how you, you know, to, to get a geek, you get a drifter addicted to alcohol and then opium, um, you know, to, to keep them fixed and keep them loyal, uh, which is also highly illegal. And they have to kind of keep these guys hidden. I thought that stuff was super fascinating. And I think it's got one of the all time great movie endings. I think a scene that you could maybe even watch on its own and it would still be uh, pretty chilling and powerful. So I highly recommend that if you're into a three and a half hour, what's about three and a half hour, two, two and a half hour two movie, and half. Uh, two and a half, you know, in, in a film that is very slow and kind of languid and pacing. But I found that once I leaned into it, it was just a, a thrill and I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Have you what did you think of it, Patrick? Have you seen the original, Stephen? I have not. And I want I plan to read the book, too, because it sounds like the original movie strays pretty far from the book. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the original either. I was kind of curious about it. And then, frankly, I saw the new one and I was just like, I two and a half hours with this material was enough. I don't need to spend more with it. I mean, I'm I'm hot and cold on Del Toro. I, I, I actually like him when he's in a little darker, a little more edgy kind of mode. But. I don't know. It was just a very unpleasant experience with me. Two and a half hours was too much time to spend with all these characters who were just awful. I mean, obviously, the filmmaking is outstanding. It looks beautiful. It's well directed. Cooper does a great job. There's good performances in it. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was just very unpleasant to me and felt kind of like a slog. Um, Kate Blanchett was maybe the the one sort of standout to me sort of the the light in the dark the campy light in the dark because Kate uh, Blanchett can do no wrong and I enjoyed her very much but I don't know it, it was it was a tough sit for me honestly well I I'll briefly just say Patrick I want to talk offline with you because anytime I discuss this movie with someone it inevitably comes down to what were Kate Blanchett's motivations and I'm very curious to hear your take on that I want to know Patrick's take on whatever else he watched horror wise besides nightmare alley if anything oh gosh i've been very busy <laughs> since last episode i've been back on my franchise bullshit i watched the entire scream franchise since i spoke with you all last i had only seen scream one and two prior to the past two weeks and ran through 
all four on Blu-ray, streaming, whatever, and then also saw the new one in theaters. And you know what? I fucking love this franchise. It is... You know, I, I, I almost want to say it's a tad overrated in the beginning as far as public consensus about it. But as the series goes on, three and four, both pretty fucking solid. And those are kind of maligned entries, I think. But I really enjoyed both of them. Um, the new one is kind of, I would say, almost the darkest and most brutal of the franchise. Still enjoyed it, though. It found kind of new ways to to poke fun at and play with horror tropes. And um, frankly, there was a major moment in it that made me almost tear up. I felt emotionally affected because I was emotionally invested after seeing the previous four. So I had did, a lot of fun Ghostface with Did Ghostface die? <laughs> no spoilers. No spoilers. I, I will oh. say, though, I was shocked that Ghostface was someone completely different from who he was in the previous movie. That's the that's the joke, right? That's what yes. he does, right? Yes, that's no, okay. the joke. Ghostface <laughs> is, is never the same. I've only seen well, the guys, first scream I'm... and most of the second scream, and so I guess I can turn in my horror fan card. Um, I, I I'm not really. I mean, I like the first scream, but I really don't love the first scream. Uh, but I'd be curious to see how it iterates across four or five movies because yeah, from what I understand, the quality mostly holds up, and I love a love a saga, especially sequels that tie into the continuity of the preceding installments which you know, i think scream does chris actually i'm i'm kind of there with you i'm i i don't i don't have anything against the first scream it's just it's always struck me as oh this is fun but maybe not as amazing groundbreaking whatever as its reputation suggests i think it was at the time it came out but what i really enjoy about it is kind of that saga you know it's kind of like what we talk about with saw where it's sort of amazing that they stuck with the same three main characters over those five movies and that they are main characters you know it's not ghostface continues to to plague them but it's about those characters and that's sort of unusual especially in a slasher franchise and i like that it actually focuses on character development and then and that you can remain invested in those three main characters for five movies awesome well let's talk about a franchise that doesn't awesome now uh, shut the fuck up (laughs) let's let's talk about a franchise that doesn't respect its its characters and continuity maybe as much of course i'm talking about the texas chainsaw massacre franchise um which has had what four reboots uh i think there's like four timelines in the nine film franchise or seven film franchise i don't know i'm not i'm not a scholar of texas chainsaw massacre but i think we all have a lot of uh warm feelings about the original as a lot of horror fans do um we did review the original a couple years ago i think i was actually coolest on it of the three of us but i have warmed up to it considerably as time has gone on and the more i thought about it in fact right before i watched this one um just this past Saturday, I watched the original. So I watched them back to back. Um, and I thought maybe that would, I thought maybe watching the original would inform my experience with the new one somehow, but um, I don't think fans of the original are necessarily, necessarily rewarded uh, <laughs> by this film. Oh, I mean like, any, oh, you don't mean, any you don't mean all the callbacks don't make it a much richer experience. You know, the exact same runtime, the John Larroquette introduction. You tell me it's not the same movie. Is it the same runtime? It is. Oh, wow. Do you, are we assuming that was intentional? 
God only knows. I would have to assume that at some point they realized it, though. Mm. No, but I mean, like, yeah, I, I fucking love the original. It's certainly one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, but yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think you if you've watched and enjoyed the original, you're not going to need to revisit it to <laughs> to 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 jump into the new one. Like anything, any notable callbacks are I think fairly on the nose. You're going to remember the important stuff. Yeah. And, and if you don't, it'll tell you. <laughs> so, so this kind of like before, you know, the way the internet is these days, the way the internet is these days, I was exposed to a whole lot of buzz about this movie, like on Twitter, like, you know, the day it came out and people don't like this movie. And then as, as the weekends kind of progressed, I've seen more positive things about this movie. But I was shocked at how strong the backlash to this movie was. And I went in preparing for the worst. But I think a lot of this backlash is because, um, you know, this kind of marketed itself as like a clean slate for the franchise. And it's doing the legacy sequel thing. It's doing the we're going to pretend every other sequel doesn't exist thing. And it's a requel. Really, speaking of, of Scream 5, it's a requel. Yeah. So people go in expecting something like Halloween 2018 or maybe the latest Scream. And uh, I don't think they were expecting what they got. And I think that made them very angry. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I was I, I, I'm I'm less in the, the 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 discourse. I'm less in the horror community. I'm less in kind of the, the general social media and online chatter than I think either of you two are. So I I wasn't super aware of what the conversation was around all this. And I was very much like, you know, you guys saw it sooner than I did. And I was like, shut up and let me enjoy it. Let me have my own take. And then I watched it and I was like, um, OK, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys have told me about the discourse seems to line up with my perception of it. I mean, like, I mean, let's fucking jump into it because we can say, uh, like, separate from any plot details within the first 15 minutes of this movie, it brings up so many like hot button political issues. It's almost like they're trying to just hit as many as they possibly can. It's like, here's an Instagram post of a Black Lives Matter protest. Here's a school shooting. Here's references to gentrification. Like, it's it's just trying to be as of the moment as possible, as soon as possible. Yeah, it kind of feels like a Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> uh, at times, well, it also, like... It just drops these things and never explores them further. This is a movie that tells you what its themes are without actually doing the work to have themes yes. built into it. It's very strange. Yes. And also, I think uh, as a quick side note, like, let's uh, remember, we're we're on Twitter spaces and we invited people to a discussion on this. So if anybody listening wants to chip in with your thoughts on the movie uh, you know, hit the little thing and, and we'll uh, we'll bring you into the conversation. But yeah, exactly yeah, I, what you said, Stephen, like I, and, I, and it's such a it's such a stark comparison to the original Texas Chainsaw, because that's a movie that has, uh, you know, people have picked apart the themes and the meaning of that movie almost endlessly. Uh, and it feels very resonant for its time and, and even beyond its time. It's one of those movies that feels almost in some ways, accidentally politically resonant or thematically resonant in yeah. the sense that it felt like Toby was just kind of soaking up the general like cultural um, anxiety of the moment. And it's and it's a very powerful movie in that sense that it doesn't seem like he was necessarily trying to make a movie about Vietnam or whatever the fuck. Whereas you have this movie that's just like trying so fucking hard 
to be about whatever's going on in February 2022. And it's just like you you don't you don't really have something to say about this, do you? You're just throwing out these signifiers. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a movie that I mean, like you just said, Patrick, I think the original even Toby Hooper himself you know, famous raconteur um, and like to exaggerate and and bend history a little bit to his benefit. But it's a movie that he had different thoughts about what it meant, even up until he died, I think. You know, it can Mm. really be analyzed to death. This is a movie that I cannot imagine there being any kind of deep political discourse about perhaps ever anywhere. (laughs) I mean, if only if there's going to be discourse about this, it's only in the sense of like a literal time capsule. It's like opening it up and just, Oh, what was going on in February, 2022? It's, it's here. There's not really a statement about it, but there's sort of a laundry list of political hot button issues that were going on at this time. It's, it's just really the worst example of one of these movies that just, I don't even, I don't know why that stuff's there. And it frustrates me. I was, I was about to say, it reminds me of movies that want to be smarter than they are, but I don't even think that it really wants to be smart. I don't know why this stuff is in there. I can't put my finger on it at all. And it's frustrating because some of the stuff is interesting. Like, I don't think I have seen a horror movie where the protagonist was a school shooting survivor. And you could certainly do intelligent or interesting things with that. But this movie's, I don't think it's interested in going there. I hope it's not interested in going there because where it ultimately goes with it is kind of crass if it's actually trying to be political about it um i just think it's all there like like hey the 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 original movie had these political themes in it and we gotta put some political themes in our movie because we're we're trying to make it like the other movie um yeah i don't know but i mean pretty pretty upsetting i I feel like we should do like a little bit of setup here for those who may be listening to the episode post Twitter space and, and have not seen it and also issue a quick warning that we're not doing our usual spoiler room break tonight. Cause we're on Twitter spaces and it's just formulaically awkward for us to say, Oh, we're, we're taking a break. We'll be back Twitter space crew. <laughs> um, but anyways, no, no spoiler break tonight. But uh, the the basic idea is there are four kids who go to what's the town, the name of the town in Texas? I I forgot it before. Oh, I forgot. Harlow. Harlow. Harlow, There we go. They go to the town that the original movie took place in. And uh, basically, they're gentrifiers. They're going to this deserted town. They're going to open up uh, a more full-fledged version of a food truck that they started in Austin. And they're bringing in a whole busload full of investors to take a look at this town and, uh, you know, basically turn it into Austin 2, you know, an hour or an hour and a half drive from Austin. And can yeah, I can I pick a knit real yeah, yeah. quick? Yeah, yeah. Um because <laughs> because th- that whole gentrification thing is is invoked early on, but like this is a ghost town. This is a town where no one fucking lives there. It's like a like one of those towns you can find on Zillow for like a million dollars and it's like looks like the old west. Like, you know, that's a good is, point. Yeah, so it's like the gentrification stuff was brought up, but that's not my definition of gentrifying when you just revitalize a literal ghost town. Right, Um. because, you know, and a crucial plot point, obviously, (laughs) is that they force an old woman out of her house that they think they have the deed to, but they don't actually have the deed to. And, of course, that's what kicks off everything, because this old woman took care of Leatherface, and this, (laughs) you know, precipitates Leatherface's rampage through these kids and their investors. But yeah, that's a really good point, Chris. I mean, gentrification entails forcing someone out. 
And for the most part, yeah, this is just a deserted town other than this this one woman. Not to say that that woman is is not then a victim of gentrification, but still, I don't think it's a very potent uh, representation or critique of gentrification. Right. And then, yes, of course. So so the woman they force out is Leatherface's adoptive mother. And that's that's the one part. I mean, this is the first part where you're really losing connective tissue between the original and the new one, because it just doesn't make any sense. You ha- really have to use your imagination to figure out how the Leatherface we saw in the original movie ran out into the road and was swinging his chainsaw around and then months later ended up walking into an orphanage. And I guess he's not of the age of majority when he when he does this. So he must be 17 or 16 in the original movie. He walks in and becomes a ward of this orphan orphanage and just lives there and mellows out for 50 years. Um, well, well, yeah, there are serious questions about how the fuck old Leatherface was in the original and, and how he can still be so relatively spry in this movie. And well, he's got to really be... Care. Oh, you don't care. I, you know, I don't know if I do either, but I did have to wonder. I mean, Chris, I joked to you on the side that I thought Leatherface was going to start doing parkour at some point, especially because this felt like an early 2000s movie. And I'm thinking he's got to be at least 75. But then again, he's evil. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I guess I don't know why I <laughs> like, like I kind of don't young. care. <laughs> It does in all these other fucking movies. (laughs) I I kind of don't care, but the movie invites me to think about it. (laughs) I guess that's my problem. Yeah. Like if if Leatherface just showed up, I'd be like, oh, it's Leatherface. I don't care how old he is. But the fact that like he has this adoptive mother and we see him in these old pictures with all these kids dressed as he was in the first movie. I'm like, what? (laughs) What? Yeah, I mean, like Michael Myers, there's always sort of the uh, suggestion of some supernatural thing, especially as of Halloween Kills. You know, Freddy Krueger, obviously, there's uh, all kinds of shit that keeps Freddy coming back. But Leatherface, at least to my knowledge, and again, I've only seen Texas Chainsaw original and uh, the, the second one. But, you know, there's never been like a supernatural element that would reinforce the idea of him being you know preternaturally young yeah i i just (sighs) anytime this movie and this is this is this is the most so let me let me let me put my cards on the table a little bit i didn't hate this movie um i certainly compared to the people out (laughs) there who are criticizing this movie (laughs) certainly compared to the criticism that's out there i thought it was fine for what was trying to do i i should know I was expecting a terrible movie, not because I saw terrible reviews, but because I saw reviews online or or comments online, tweets online from like people in the horror community who were like, so uh, I know we all saw that movie, but uh, isn't it great to be a horror fan right now? (laughs) And I was like, like the people who are like trying to put a positive spin on this movie without saying anything good about the movie kind of made me think, oh, this, this really must be a shit show. And I don't know if it is a shit show, but the, the parts where it was weakest for me by far were when it was trying to force a connection to the original movie and just didn't have the tools to do it. And at every level, stylistically, considering it's called the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first movie is a pretty subtle movie, right? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Like, it's very atmospheric. A lot of the violence is implied. And then this is like, no, this is is exactly, it is a, a 2000s era 
slasher movie and i don't have a problem with that because that's fun but anytime you try to sorry sorry finish your thought i have a a question when you're done well so you you, you guys both referred to it being 2000s era and i'm just i'm curious what you're getting at there what do you mean well, I'm thinking of movies, and I wish I could name more of them. But like, I I know what you did last summer. Maybe maybe Scream or Scream Two. Like like these these movies that took place in like 2000 Jeepers Creepers and stuff. Like like 2000, mm-hmm. 2001, 2002, where it's like here's a bunch of teenagers, and then here's a fucking maniac with something sharp, and he's just gutting people through a large section of the movie, and then it ends, and there's a new metal song over the credits, <laughs> or, or Creed. Okay, yeah, to, or Creed. To, and, uh, to me, I that just describes that, slasher movies from like their origin in the '80s, uh, other than the Creed uh, song. I think there's a certain level of like energy. I don't know. There's a certain level of energy. I think in in the in the 2000s slashers. But but fair point. I think if they had put a Creed song over the credits of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022, everybody would be on the level of this movie. They'd be like, I know what this is. I know how to process it, and it was great. But the, the, the but it's a, it invites you to think of it as a a spiritual successor to the original movie, and it totally does not work on that level. Sure. Can we talk about one of the things that really interested me about this movie? I, interest. I, I don't know what the word is even. But you know, so we have this big gentrification theme. We have these kids coming in to, at least in the in the text of the movie, to gentrify the town of Harlow. And the lead gentrifier and his banker are both black. Yes. Did that strike anyone else strange? Yes, it did. And I actually listened to um, the Pop Culture Happy Hour episode about this. And there was a great discussion about representation in these kinds of low-budget horror movies and how it's not just a one-to-one. Like, you can't just say, oh, we need a black person in this. You have to, like, think about who like what kind of character they're playing and what their motivations are and the the african-american co-host whose name i cannot remember on this episode said this is all white people bullshit this whole going to this town and buying it like it's it's borderline offensive it really stood out to me like a sore thumb yeah i mean like obviously we need more black heroes but also more black villains but also you know if you're going to invoke this theme of gentrification which is something that almost exclusively happens when white people move into communities of color. It just feels really weird. It felt weird and on the nose to have the, this, this guy Dante, who's, who's trying to start the restaurant in this town to be, you know, kind of the instigator of all this. And then it just felt like really doubling down on it, like such an oddly intentional choice to have the banker that he's working with also be black. I I don't know. It's just what it's like, what are you it feels like such a choice and 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 it just raises the question like what are you trying to do here i would i would be i would be less confused if at least one of them was white i guess you know but it almost seems I don't know. I don't know what point you could possibly be trying to make with that. I, I really like your. It's weird. I really like that you noticed that. And that's, that's I think, a really astute observation. I didn't notice it. And again, I just don't think this movie is 
functioning on that level. It's just like, here's some issues. And I don't think, I don't think that the screenwriters could pass a three question quiz on what gentrification is. <laughs> it's just, I don't think they care. No. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I, I think that is, and that's maybe one of, the mo- one of the most baffling things about it is they chose to do that. And I think there really is, you know, I was just asking, asking the question, what could they have possibly intended? And I just think they didn't. I just think there wasn't an intention there. It was, there, I, I just think there was zero brain. No, and that's not a problem. You know, I, I don't I don't even I don't even think it was a malicious statement. You know, it's just there was mm-hmm. zero brain. activity. Um, and I think that's very interesting. I don't think it's a problem to make a movie called Texas Chainsaw Massacre and not aspire to a, a great political statement. Um, it's just the way that they brought it up just so naively sort of. And, and I, and I I think a lot of the backlash to this movie actually is because similar people who don't think deeply about these issues either watch this and they say this movie was bad. And also I felt like they were pushing a woke agenda, et cetera, even though it wasn't. And then they get radicalized against the movie for all the bullshit reasons that people, you know, are radicalized against movies these days. Well, that's yeah, that's exactly the thing is I had heard, you know, the, the little bit of discourse I had heard was that it was like Texas Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw was trying to be woke. But it's 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 not even trying to be woke so much as like we said already, it's just like bringing up these issues. And it's like, hey, we know gentrification is a thing. That's a thing, right? Let's put exactly, it in the movie. Exactly. You know? The thing I did like, though, is the our, our cast, our, our main cast of, I think, four characters is or five characters, four characters is quickly established as like, you know, kind of uh, generation Z uh, social justice people. You know, the first thing we see of them really is them like challenging some, uh, you know, red blooded American uh, redneck gun toting type at a gas station because he's open carrying a, their gun. Right. So so they kind of establish these people as like, oh, they're they're the sort of stereotypical woke Zoomer kids. What I did like <laughs> ideal, idealistic individuals <laughs> as they say self-describe sure. as at one right. point. But I did like that there was the irony in these kids who are so performatively, uh, for lack of a better word, and I hate using this, but, but we'll just say, cause I can think of anything better performatively woke kids. Um, and then having them actually be, uh, gentrifiers in in a way like 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 the the idea to me that like okay so they are very focused on these sort of hot button political things and these identity things but they're also economically complicit in the problem that everybody else is i thought that was kind of cool but i don't think it was mm-hmm. intentional either um we got a speaker request do we want oh yes we got a caller we got a caller we got brie wants to chime in so yeah call it call it brie call it brie you're on the air chris chris someone has given given chris an excuse to yell caller caller so <laughs> we, we gotta, gotta go. we gotta indulge call that. Brie, go, go ahead well i could have i could have finished my thought but i i am happy to hear what brie has to say. oh steven <laughs> i would love for you to finish your thought first Oh, what thank you so much. Caller. You're so much what sweeter than these caller. guys. <laughs> Bri- but Bree well, has, Bri has been for... waiting a long time, though, Stephen. That's the only reason we were kind of Steven's steamrolling been waiting you a little a long time. <laughs> he has. I was, ju- I was just trying to apologize to Stephen slightly. That's the only reason we were steamrolling you, because Bree was waiting for a, a while while Chris and I were ranting. So sorry to both of you. 
Well, I just thought it was worth noting for anybody who's listening who hasn't seen the movie, like this isn't this, this isn't three white guys wringing their hands. To, this movie begs you to think about these issues and then gives you nothing to chew on. So if you've been wondering why we're harping so much on these issues of, you know, racism and gentrification, like it's it's in the text in the in the barest, most frustrating sense. Yeah. So know that we're just not going out on a limb here speculating about what might be going on here. Um Thank you, Bree. What do you got? Did you see this? I mean, that's great because that perfectly kind of sets up exactly what I was going to say. Um, and I think all of you are really spot on, even though, you know, a lot of the discourse has been about this sort of issue about this movie. But when I watched it, and I will preface by saying I'm not a huge fan of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original. Like, it's just okay for me. It's not one of my favorites. So I wasn't super excited in the first place, but I watched it. Um, And what this movie feels like to me is that they thought of a bunch of really cool kills, and then they tried to hodgepodge a story around it. But by doing that, all they did was pull some buzzwords out of a hat. And they're like, let's say this, that'll get the kids going. Um, But it's really about the kills. Um, So they didn't, you know, they they say all these things about gentrification and, you know, the influencers and stuff, which I even take issue with. These were not influencers. They were doing something else, but whatever. Um, (laughs) And it just, it seems like it wasn't the point. Um, So I don't understand why everyone, uh, if you're going to be upset about, these issues that they're sort of shoehorning in, be upset about the fact that they didn't do anything with it rather than they mentioned it at all, because that's not what the movie was about, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's a really good point and and honestly leads into something that I was just about to say as well. I, I think I, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of what you just said, but that's so true that the it's almost... <sighs> You know, the, the, the social commentary, whatever, is really just kind of an architecture or a scaffolding or whatever to support the kills, which which are good. Like, I think at some point we should kind of enter a segment of this where we talk about things we actually did enjoy, because there were some things I enjoyed in this. And there are some fucking fun kills. You know, I, I think I, I was going to say we can admit that I don't I don't want to speak for everybody. I can admit that I enjoyed some kills in this movie. You know, there's some innovative stuff, some goofy stuff that I will remember but the weird thing that ends up coming out of all this is and 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 this is kind of a problem that i have with a lot of slashers for probably the last (laughs) 20 30 fucking years but you know if you're gonna pick a protagonist or a hero in this movie it's almost leatherface because you know oh absolutely it's pretty you know his his situation is pretty empathetic his mom got forced out of her fucking home by a bunch of dumb kids and and he's pissed you know and at a certain point it's like the social commentary takes a backseat to i think we're mostly kind of supposed to just be enjoying leatherface until we're not supposed to you know sometime in the third act i don't know it's just all very like kind of misguided and all over the place and i get sick of this shit where you know back in the day we were rooting for Laurie Strode. You know, we were rooting for Nancy in Nightmare on Elm Street. And at some point, you know, the slashers stole the keys to the fucking car and have never really given them up for a few decades. And this is the latest and most maybe extreme chapter 
in that whole saga to me. Yeah. And it comes at a time where like the Halloween franchise is trying to correct that at least until Halloween kills. Now I don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, sort of this legacy sequel thing is like trying to get away from the sequel porn or it's just the killer killing people. Um, but that's, this was maybe just mismarketed, but I, I don't know what else you can do. We have a comment on Instagram though. Uh, someone's uh, mentioning that the, uh, the orphanage notably, they, the only reason, they go there in the first place is because there's a confederate flag hanging on it so (laughs) so the orphanage keeper and by extension leatherface are flying a confederate flag and our our listener on instagram uh reads sort of a conservative slash anti-woke message um into it which again i just don't think it's there i don't think this movie has an agenda but i will say that the like poor man's Mark Wahlberg gun toting salt of the earth guy yeah. was a lot more sympathetic to me than the woke kids, yeah. even though in real life, I agree with the woke kids politics more. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's just a pot stirring movie. You know, I, I really don't think there's an agenda there, but yeah, you're supposed to at first think that the, as you've said, the Mark Wahlberg guy is the evil villain, whatever. Honestly, in the end, he ends up helping the kids way more than he ever, you know, microaggresses them. <laughs> and and you could read something into that if this movie was smart enough to actually have had any intention behind that, which I don't think. It and did. I would settle. I would settle for like a South Park sort of take where it's like extremists on both sides are stupid. We should just get along like I would be OK with that. I would be OK if this was a both sure, sides because kind of it would actually be. Sure, because it would actually be coherent. Like there would actually be a thesis statement there, but it's not. It's just stirring. I was hoping that the Mark Wahlberg conservative guy would save the day. I wanted him to grab his AR-15 and blow away Leatherface. And I thought he was going to say, that's what you get for wearing a fucking mask. (laughs) (laughs) I, I wanted him to have actually successfully taught Elsie Fisher how to use a gun, which he clearly didn't in the end. Like, I mean, yeah. talk about like, you know, Chekhov's gun. Like this is Chekhov's AR-15 lesson and it does not we, pay We off. will get to that. Well, and why the whole, again, why the whole thing again with her being a school shooting survivor? Like this just never pays off meaningfully. And yet they seem to want to set it up unless this was just written by an AI, which I would also. Totally ah, it, I mean, I, I, I think the idea is, you know, she was laying on the floor and, and, you know, this almost feels like something that they cut or didn't manage to shoot the whole scene or something. But I think the idea is she was laying on the floor playing dead during the school shooting to survive it. And and this is her chance to, you know, take matters into her own hands and take up a weapon against the aggressor, which she eventually does. But. Uh, you know, I don't know. There's something about the AR-15 in particular because it's it's very telegraphed early in the movie when Mark Wahlberg gives her the lesson on how to shoot a gun, and then in the sort of crucial moment when she needs to use it against Leatherface, it's it's not loaded. I think is what happens, and in the end, she ends up just using a shotgun against him. I think that she gets from uh, from Sally. Yeah, and I was going to get into all this later, but I might as well just say now so we don't have to talk about the politics through our entire episode, but... Like the idea of having this school shooter, school shooting survivor who is only vindicated by like picking up a gun and shooting back um, left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, yeah. because early on, she's a st- she's like, I don't like guns because I was shot at. I have a scar on my chest from where a bullet went through me. I watched all my classmates die. And it's like, fair enough. But then the movie's kind of like, well, that, that's not you. You still got to, you know, what if there's a you bad have to guy? take guns back? You have to reclaim guns. Right. For yourself. You to, right. You have to reclaim guns. <laughs> I, I will say I, I did not know Elsie Fisher was in this movie and I was very excited to see her because she's fucking phenomenal in eighth grade. I, I don't even know. I'm sure she's done stuff between eighth grade and this, but I don't think I've seen any of it. And it was nice to see her again. I just wish she'd had more to do because she was phenomenal in, in eighth grade. This might be in the same universe as eighth grade. This might be what happened when she <laughs> graduated eighth grade. <laughs> unofficial sequel to eighth grade this is this is ninth grade the influencer thing kind of ties in with uh with what she was doing in eighth grade (laughs) so i don't know (laughs) jesus but let's get positive let's get positive wait okay can i say one more negative thing before we go to positive absolutely i thought it was really funny how dante's partner is never given a name and literally i think even in the subtitles like her name is dante's partner and I was like, why is that? And the answer is because she dies in like the first fucking 17 minutes. Did you guys notice this? Was this only me? I don't remember any of the characters' names, so kudos to you. <laughs> Dante is Dante. Oh, no, I did the, not notice that. Dante was the lead gentrifier. Okay. Yeah, that's weird. We got another Instagram comment that says that Elsie uh, Fisher was, was written as if uh, she was a superhero who was bitten by a radioactive school shooter and then had to use her powers to, to <laughs> save the <laughs> who, who is High Five if you're still alive? Because I love that comment. I, I think it's just a fan. I don't know. Just a random fan. Anyway. Well, we're happy to have you as a fan. They're, they're High Five if you're still alive, Stephen. What else do we need to know? But all right, so here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say that's positive. This movie did not bore me at all. It's it's quick and it is mm-hmm. it is gruesome and violent and gory. And if you're into that, then mm-hmm. then you got nothing to complain about. You're watching a movie called quick. Forget what you know about Toby Hooper. You're watching a movie called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and this movie, more than the the original, delivers on that promise. It is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and the the chainsaw just uh, does chainsaw shit. And um, I I didn't. It <laughs> the moved. chainsaw does things chainsaws can't do, which I also loved. Like it really really leans into the title in, in a way the original didn't dude i i talked about how leatherface is almost the protagonist of this and i i feel like i maybe misspoke i may need to amend that because i think just the fucking chainsaw is the protagonist like when it first shows <laughs> up it gets such just a hero's welcome from this movie it's like yes the chainsaw is back and he's firing it up let's go he you has know? it like hidden behind the plaster in in the orphanage house again just <laughs> yes! it, it just raises so many questions about how he went from the end of the original texas chainsaw massacre into the orphanage but whatever maybe there's gonna be a prequel to this oh god i hope not <laughs> Well, the, that, it's worth noting that the franchise, I think there are more prequels than there are sequels, or maybe it's evenly split. Like, it did this weird thing in the 2000s where it kept going backwards, even though the remake was really successful. And I think Texas Chainsaw 3D was really successful. And they kind of had George Lucas syndrome, I think, and thought we needed to see, you know, baby Leatherface, see where it all started. Yeah. Has anyone seen Leatherface? No. Okay. I have not. 
I'm kind of curious I'm, to watch all these movies now, but I'm probably not going to unless Patrick makes us. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I was going to do it, I would have done it before this episode. I tried to do it and I couldn't. It was painful. So I just listened to a podcast about all of them. And even that was kind of painful. <laughs> the secondhand trauma of it all. Okay, let me say a couple things. So I, I, I said we, we, were, we decided we were going to be positive. So here's a couple things I liked. You know what I liked? Yeah. I liked that fucking scene where <laughs> Dante's partner crashes the car into the, the field, to the combi- into the combine in the field. I liked the aesthetic of the dead sunflowers. That was just a cool looking scene. It was, I feel like I haven't necessarily seen a scene of a movie set in a field of dead sunflowers before. And they maximized that for a number of cool shots and cool visuals. I'll, I'll probably remember some of those. So good on them for that. Um, It looks nice. It looks nice. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to add something negative to that, but we're, no, we're on a positive (laughs) journey now for this leg of the show. Yeah. We're on a positive Um, journey for the next 90 seconds. (laughs) No, I I thought that was good too. I like, I like the setting. I thought that, you know, the suspense and the action in that scene was, was pretty well done. It was spooky. It was scary. It was eerie at that point of the movie. I mean, for the first half hour of this movie, I, my complaints were, were minimal, especially like, like the, the re- most glaring issues with the movie had not really developed yet. <laughs> so I was like, I was totally on board. I was like, all right, this, this scene works. It's fun. Um, and all, you know, in general, it looked good. Um, the settings were for the most part interesting. I did like the ghost town. I wonder how they thought of that. It seems like a pretty strange, uh, <laughs> thing to put in your movie, but it was it gave Leatherface an excuse to, you know, do shit in different buildings and and the look of the town was kind of cool. There's that shot that was in the, in the trailer where he's you know hanging out between the in the archway or whatever. It looks like Les Miserables and he's got his chainsaw. That's all good. <laughs> Les Miserables. I, I the other thing I, I I have my classic two things to say about this. The other thing that I will. Uh, register a strong positive opinion on and maybe the only other thing I will register a strong positive opinion on is that fucking bus scene you know you heard all the investors on the bus because it's raining which makes no fucking sense but you know it gives a great excuse for Leatherface to just go ham on the bus and have an absolutely ridiculous extended murder rampage scene that will you know the stuff from that scene I will remember and probably chuckle about for a while so you know good on them for that i guess oh there's a great moment in that speaking of uh chainsaw foo as joe bob would say which there's a lot in this movie and probably my favorite thing about it i don't remember if it's a boy or a girl that leatherface starts with but he he chainsaws through the chest of someone and then like chainsaw kebabs them onto a member of the opposite sex up against the wall of the bus and I, I screamed I like, out loud I like that you just said a boy or a girl <laughs> well I don't remember which he got first if he got a boy and then like rammed him into a girl if it was the reverse no, I just, but it was one they're of the all other. adults I just, I, I'm, just, I'm just finding it funny that you're calling them boys and girls they're like 23. Those are kids. Come on. <laughs> Those are men and women. No, the the one that really stuck out to me is when he chainsaws a guy like from behind through the crotch so that the chainsaw sticks out from his crotch area like a phallus. And then I think, if I remember correctly, rams him into 
someone else and through the wall of the bus. I don't know. It's the whole sequence is deranged. Well, that's what I'm taught. That's what I was trying to describe. I oh, forgot about the okay. phallic imagery in that. Oh, yeah. yeah. He yeah. goes right through the fucking pelvis. Just rails him. And, you know, the, the, the bus notably had one of the only like political references that that worked for me, which is I think it was in the trailer. But when they all start, you know, live streaming Leatherface, <laughs> which the the imagery of that is maybe not something to be taken lightly. But, um, the, you know, the guy <laughs> saying like, you know, hey, man, do do anything weird and you're going to get canceled, bro. And then they all oh, get chainsawed. I, that didn't I did. bother me. I didn't like that at all. That was maybe one of the more offensive topical references in the movie to me. That felt like an Adam Sandler stand-up joke. It was just like, uh, I don't know. Like, it just felt so unrealistic. Like, that's going to happen and everybody's going to film? No, you're going to freak out. You're going to try and get off the fucking bus, not make a joke about getting canceled. Uh, Yeah, well. It's fucking Leatherface. He's covered in blood with a human face on as a mask and a chainsaw right, why would he care? Yeah, they're gonna pull out their phones well, here's, <laughs> the thing. here's the thing and here's the thing that I, I was I, I mentioned this to the person that I, I watched these movies with the, this being a direct sequel to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre taking place in that universe these characters don't have the associations we have about maniacs with chainsaws so like what cause, cause, yeah, no, you're totally wrong. I'm sorry. A human face with a chainsaw. You're gonna no, freak the fuck out. No, they don't know. They don't associate chainsaws with murder in this universe because there's that scene where they're out on the. Um, <laughs> you're the, insane. This is in deranged. The but, the, but they're in oh the bus God. and they hear the chainsaw outside and they're like, "What's that?" We're, and they like start to investigate. And obviously, it's stupid. But they live in a universe where chainsaws is like, yeah, someone's like, you know, cutting wood. Someone's doing <laughs> like, like the. But no. No, that's insane. That's the insane. first scene He's of the movie is face. the first scene of the movie. Now, I guess okay, maybe in this world it's not as maybe the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the titular massacre from the seventies, is not as well known. But I mean, this movie begins with, and Chris, I thought of you, a DVD, uh, yeah, playing, uh, playing a highlight reel of the events of the first movie. Like, know. I think it's well known enough no, that it's a no, tourist no. attraction. That's true maybe. crime. It's 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 obscure. It's people don't know. But it, it may be it may be in that part of Texas possibly. But like. It's it's not like they grew up like we did seeing uh you know Homer Simpson with a chainsaw and a hockey mask on on TV when they were kids like like the chainsaw is not an emblem of serial killers in this universe. So the guy gets on the bus with a chainsaw and they're like, "What dude, you're being weird right now. We're going to we're going to live stream you. We're going to cancel you." It's literally on you're- it's literally on TV in this movie. Yes, but it's it's a niche it's a niche bro. It's true crime. It's like Dateline, but not even Dateline that's on normal NBC. It's Dateline that's on like CNBC. All right. We, so we, wait, we, you think you think when Leatherface gets on this fucking bus and he's revving his chainsaw, think and he's, he's covered in blood and whatever. They think he's weird. They, they think he's know. weird, but he has a chainsaw. Like, like the human brain, I think, would just know to recognize that as a threat in that moment because it's toothy. Um, it's toothy. It's like a bear claw. It's toothy, it's loud, and you know that it can hack your limbs apart. I mean, even if you haven't seen it done before in this universe you're describing, it's an imposing, threatening weapon, and also a powerful phallic image. Uh, All right. Okay, well. Interesting take. I like this. I like that we got fired up about it. Okay. You know who I did like? Uh, 
is Ooh, tell me actually i don't remember her name melody olwyn no oh, I, well, well, I, I thought, thought you were talking her. about sally no melody. we should talk about sally eventually we'll, yeah we'll, we'll do our reviews in a little bit and then we can talk about sally <laughs> no i'm talking about melody is, is that elsie elsie fisher's sister is named melody i think right oh, okay sure i hated her but go on oh really yeah. Oh, I, I liked her primarily in the sense that I liked that she lasted as long as she did and largely made smart decisions. I don't know. I, and I guess that's such a, a silly thing to praise one of these movies for. But just because, you know, we're also used to make, seeing characters make dumb decisions. It's always nice to see someone like mostly make smart decisions and survive for way longer than I thought she was going to. I wish I could. I wish I had a better memory because I respect your interpretation of that but when i was watching this movie i felt like every character was just making stupid decisions one after another and that the whole plot depended on characters making the worst decisions most of the time maybe not melody all the time but in general i think that's one of the biggest problems with this movie you know what there's a god i wish my memory was better too but there was something that really stuck out to me like an hour after i watched this movie i was like wait how did we wind up why did we wind up back in the orphanage that close to Leatherface? Like, there's a whole sequence where, you know, whichever the fuck character, I don't remember, goes back in there and there's a whole showdown and everything at the top of the stairs. And, like, there was no reason for us to be back in that space except to show Leatherface, like, kind of getting his shit together and making his debut. And, yeah, I felt like there was a lot in this movie where characters just did things that didn't make any sense because it helped move the plot. Oh, uh, they weren't they, which they, is they not were, they unique were to this kind deed, of slasher. Right? Isn't that why they were there? Oh, oh maybe yes, they were. Yeah. And this actually brings up one of my most important questions and also gets us into real estate thriller territory. Yeah, the house again. was an escrow. Yeah. That was the issue. <laughs> Talk so, to me about escrow, baby. Here's a question. I and and this is just pure ignorance, but is a deed to a house similar to like a car title? I mean, it, was there a legitimate yeah, man. search How, for yeah, like, a, Monopoly? a piece of paper that should have been signed <laughs> over? Like, was that, did that make any sense? I don't yeah, know. You, you, yeah. need, you need the deed it to did. the orphanage and the deed to Park Place so you can build on it. <laughs> okay, very good, very good. I, I assumed that was correct. I just don't know anything about how these things work because I'm a millennial and I can't get into the housing market. Exactly. If you, if you are going to do the deed, you need to have the deed, my friend. Good to know. Good All to right. Know. Well, yeah. you guys want to review this damn thing? And then, you know, we'll we'll open it up Hell if yeah. anyone who's listening wants to give their review too. They're more than welcome to. Um, but let's um let's let's just let's just get into the reviews. And and Steven, I I'll call on you first because I know that oh. the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so near and dear to your heart, you know, and you 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 named your cat after Toby Toby Hooper. So Toby's um, true. I want to know, was this a wor- <laughs> I named my cat after Tubi.tv. Was this a word? <laughs> my favorite sequel? streaming service. To yeah. the Texas um, Chainsaw Massacre. Did you feel be, no to be dot Hooper? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but Chris, uh, uh, maybe we can we can put a link to this in our our show notes. You wrote a pretty astute little review on Letterboxd, and I agreed with ninety nine point nine percent of it. We're never going to get a faithful sequel. I don't want one. The first movie is just a perfect little nightmare on its own, and so you have to go into one of these movies just knowing that. It's going to be weird. It's not going to match the magic of the original. Even Toby Hooper couldn't do that. Maybe he seemed that disinterested in doing that with his sequel. Um, so I went into this uh, half expecting a shit show because, again, 
virtually no press for this movie. It was supposed to be theatrically released. A lot of it was reshot. You know, it's been in kind of the COVID shuffle, just drops on Netflix, had a feeling it's probably not going to be great. And yet I had a blast with it. Once I got on its dumb level, I think there was a lot to enjoy, especially as far as uh, the gore and the kills go, which is normally not my thing. But if that's all I'm left with to enjoy in a movie, uh, it could be done much worse than it is in this one. So I'm going to give this a screw it. But I'm going to tell you, maybe go on Netflix and scrub through it. Definitely watch the final showdown with Sally Hardesty. I laughed my fucking ass off. Um, Like there's good moments throughout, but even at 83 minutes, it's it's just a weird, mostly uncomfortable, disjointed sit. Um, Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give a screw it, but cue it to a few select moments that maybe maybe for our fans, I could even make a little super cut or something. We'll see. Patrick. So curious. Texas oh. Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Would you view it, cue it, or screw it? Well, first, I will uh, remind our listeners, we want to hear your ratings, too. So if you have a rating for this movie and want to share it on air and tell us about why, request to join Twitter space now. We're going to bring you into the conversation. But um, I uh, I got to give it a screw it. I mean, there are, <laughs> there are certainly a, a couple of memorable moments, but nothing that you couldn't just look up on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I cannot recommend watching the whole rest of this um, for any reason. And I don't really have much more to say about it because I've just been ranting about it for the last hour. So... Chris, do you want to go next or do you want to, uh, Bree has a rating here. Do you want to let Bree jump in or go? I'll I'll go and then we'll open it up. Um, I am going to give it a cue it actually. Um, it, I'm so shocked. Are you? No, I'm not at all because you were so shocked when Steven said, screw it. Oh, well, I mean, I can, I, I totally co-sign most of what Steven said, but at the end of the day, I would say, look, we, we watch a lot of bad movies (laughs) and most of them are more boring than this. And, Mm -hmm. um, this one moved for me and it had, you know, a lot of interesting or satisfying chainsaw violence. And really, I think it would have worked if it hadn't tried to jam so many weird connections to the first movie and so many weird political things into it. I mean, it's dumb. It's stupid. It doesn't do anything new. It's maybe not the sequel that it advertised itself as it's maybe not the sequel that we deserve but you get to see a guy kill a bunch of people with a chainsaw and uh i didn't get bored and so anytime i didn't get bored and i saw some people die with a chainsaw i say go ahead and cue it because you could do a lot worse especially on netflix Carla, Carla, you would you view it cue it or would you screw it are we live we you are live on the air Carla. Essentially, you know, I think this movie would have been watchable if it wasn't Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If this would have been a generic Netflix slasher, not Leatherface, just some killer, not Sally, just some grizzled old lady detective, I think it would have been great. I think the expectations of the title really brought it down. And I was really bored. Um, I paused it in the middle to wax my lady muscle. 
Oh boy, I really didn't want to lose you there. <laughs> I know what you said, but we couldn't hear it. <laughs> I, be I believe you said wax your lady mustache, right? Of course it would cut out there. <laughs> now we can hear no. you again. I'm I'm with you, Bree. Take the take the all the expectations of the franchise away from this. And this is like, you know, a decent B minus movie, I think. That you could have a lot of fun with, you know, hanging out with your friends, eating some pizza. Um, like the fact that Sally Hardesty, that that character returns in this movie means almost nothing because of the way in which she's handled. I could see this being just a generic slasher and you understand, oh, this is the woman who had to deal with this guy 50 years ago. It doesn't need to be Leatherface. Yeah, I, you know, I think like you said before, Stephen, like I, I never wanted a sequel to the original and I think the, the title doesn't do it any favors. I mean, I think if this was just some other generic piece of junk that we watched like i i might even find it more excusable but it's like you're trying to do something that sort of measures up to the original and it's like well what are you what are you doing but brie did you have anything else to add i i know we were kind of like losing you there i don't know if if you if you may still have uh, thoughts to finish if you're in better signal area um you know i appreciate you trying to listen but mostly i was just saying screw it cool We've watched some crap. Um, this was crap. Excellent. All, All right, right. So hell yeah. Three screws. Screw it, camp. Love well, it. Well, Heat Heat Doc One on on Instagram says they usually agree with me. Thank you, but I'm way off on this one, and they give it a major screw it. So. <laughs> All right. I There's know that. Sate. I know Satan entered the chat a minute ago. Oh, actually, never mind. Satan requested, but yeah, I, I don't see them up Satan there anymore. But yeah, if anyone else wants to get in on this. Oh, here we go. Satan. Oh, Satan's back. Satan's Satan. always welcome on this show. <laughs> get behind me, Satan. Satan, Satan, you're on the air. <laughs> What's up, Satan? You know, I just figured out that the, I was muted. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> um, no worries. Preface it welcome. With, I've never actually seen the original. So um, I don't know if that comes into play or anything, but the Sally thing did also fall short for me. And overall, I would say it's a screw it. But it's also the kind of screw it I would go to my friends and say, hey, if you want something in the background, go ahead and put it on. You can look down, not pay attention to it and still follow along with the story. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That sounds like a low cue it to me, maybe. Oh no, absolutely screw it. If someone's like, "What's your opinion?" It'd be like, "No, it's not good." <laughs> but if you don't like, if you like not good movies, go for it. <laughs> no, I think that's a good point. It's a good, it's a good backgrounder. It's a good thing to throw on in the background while you're just hanging out with your friends and and you pay attention for the bus scene and the finale, and that's just about it. Mark Wahlberg. I I lost interest when Mark Wahlberg died. Oh yeah, I honestly forget how he even died at this point. Leather, I watched Leatherface it less than twenty four hours ago. He got killed oh, by Leatherface. Uh, oh word! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark Wahlberg had a great weekend at the uh, the virtual and real box office. He was in Uncharted as well, playing. Oh uh, yeah, Sully. great weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay, so you, let's th thank you so much for that uh, that rating, Satan. Um, thank you, Satan. And, yeah. If anyone else wants to chime in at any point, please just request. No big deal. Um, we're going to get back into the program and, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about Sally and yeah. probably some other things. <laughs> so, I mean, when, when Sally 
first showed up, I I had the legitimate question, is this the same actress? I did not know she had died like uh, probably almost a decade ago at this point. Yeah, they should have just deep faked her. Uh, no, I'm glad they didn't. But also, I'm not glad that she was in the movie, to be honest. No. So, yeah. So how does this start? OK. Oh, my God. So we she's established at the beginning of the movie in the Dateline NBC thing where they're like, there was one survivor who never spoke about it since. And so we know that she's out there. We know she's alive. And then uh, because the police get involved rather early, they're like, oh, we got a we, we got a long story short. She became a Texas Ranger, which is not where I thought that character was going at the end of Texas the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hardesty, Uh, Texas Ranger. But I mean, that's another like part of this movie's sort of, I don't know, just uh, like faux woke bullshit is that the only like satisfying ending it can come up with for this character is that now she's a badass like cop, you know? Yeah. And not only a badass cop, so to speak, but, but someone who is first seen apparently gutting a hog that she has raised, which... (laughs) Yeah. Why the fuck would you ever want to do that? (laughs) Well, you know, I think the implication is she's, you know, absorbed some elements of Leatherface's behavior, I think. I guess it just it just felt very untrue to the ending of the first movie. We're like, oh, okay, this person got away and and and. I don't know. I, I didn't I didn't like her being a hog slaughterer and a cop as a way to cope with the events of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I didn't. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. I mean, to me, it, you know, it just feels lazy again. It feels like they saw what the, the new Halloween did with Lori and it was like, oh, OK, well, it, you know, let's make her badass. You know, uh, right. let's make her. It's uh, like she's, the, it's she's like learned the to side. be a survivalist or whatever. Well, she, uh, this actress is in a movie called The Survivalist, which I really want to see now. Oh, wow. Um, that sounds great. And I loved her in Mandy. But yeah, like what a oof, what a weird missed opportunity. It does feel again like they just fed in like 10 modern horror movies into an AI. And this is what they came up with. She was in. Well, who was she in Mandy? I'm trying to remember her. God, I mean, it's been so long since I've seen it. She's one of the cultists. Oh, well, yeah, one of the cultists. Yeah, I guess that would make sense. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, very striking presence. I mean, her performance was fine. I just didn't like what they did with the character. And also that they build up the movie to her showing up to, like, save the day. And Leatherface fucking guts her almost immediately. And then she comes back. Oh, my God. Let's let's talk about that for a moment. My absolute favorite moment in this entire movie is, I mean, again, it is disappointing. It is jarring. But when Leatherface penetrates her with a chainsaw and throws her like 20 feet onto a pile of garbage <laughs> that Just was wild defying all defying defying all the laws of physics i screamed out loud that was wild and i mean uh, on an unrelated note you know we, we mentioned this before but some incredible things happened with the chainsaw in this movie including him just throwing it at people a few times that was a real delight to me Oh my god, he throws it, it skids across the floor and cuts someone's Achilles tendon. Like, it's it's just wild, the shit he does. The tricks he's learned with this chainsaw over the years, which is weird because he hasn't been using the chainsaw all this time. It's been, uh, like, the cask of the Amontillado, like, cemented behind his bed or whatever. So, 
I don't know. Yeah, Maybe I was asking I'm, too many I'm questions. Surprised. I, but I did like, doesn't he take a long time to like figure out how to turn it on again? Like he has the oil. No, he's shit. just like, it's no. like riding a bike, baby. No, because he gets it out of the wall and then he's like in the upstairs bedroom just fucking with it for like 20 more minutes, isn't, isn't he? Did uh, I make that up? No, I mean, he throw, he, he puts have. it on the floor and immediately starts it up, like I said uh, does before. He? No. Yeah. Okay, I thought I was crazy for this. I, I imagined him better up. Up. <laughs> I, I thought we saw him oiling the chain. I thought we saw him going to... <laughs> a go, whole masturbation metaphor. Going to <laughs> Home Depot for some <laughs> Trying extra, to get his chainsaw working again. Yeah. No, but all right, so, so Sally, ah, here's the thing. I don't have a problem with introducing like this no-nonsense you know, threat to Leatherface and whatever. It's, you can I, I don't hold the character so sacred that that I'm that she can't be doing these things but mm-hmm. she's established as like I've spent 40 years 50 I've spent 50 years hunting down Leatherface so I can kill him and then what does she do when she gets in the room and has him at point blank range with the shotgun she mm-hmm. doesn't do a goddamn yeah. thing yeah, I was. It's like God in my damn, seat. this is just a human being. Somebody fucking shoot him already. If I would, well, this would be a view it if like she had just creeped into that room and seen Leatherface sitting in the chair and was like, "Bye," and just blew his head off, and that was the yeah. end of Leatherface. And yeah. then, oh, hey, what and if then, she hey, blows his head off, grabs the chainsaw, yes. starts dancing around in circles <laughs> in the streets, screaming like she did at the end of the first movie? A plus. Or, oh yeah, you could just be like, oh, she is, she's actually insane, and now these kids have to hide from her, because she's crazy. Yeah, it's not that I hold the character so sacred that this new take on her bothered me. It was just that it, again, felt so lazy. It was like, okay, it was cool when Linda Hamilton came back in the Terminator movie, and she was, like, just no, it wasn't. badass. It was know? terrible. It was or, awful. You know, it was cool when Lori came back and she was a badass with a shotgun. It just, like, there was no work done to explain what exactly had been going on with that character. And, And again, I don't need, like, 20 minutes worth of backstory or something. I just need, like, almost the most cursory nod to explain what this character has been up to or what her life has been like since this. But no, it's just like, okay, let's, you know, bring back another legacy survivor character in this kind of rote badass role not explain it we also don't have the original actress even around to portray her it just there was just no connection to it for me it it would be more interesting if they introduced her just like she's like going to the grocery store she's an ordinary woman she's put her life back together but she's got like a scanner in her car because she's still always a little on edge and she hears someone (laughs) and she hears like we've got a a chainsaw massacre happening over in in the next town and she's like Oh my god! And they're like, "There's, there's a bunch of kids who are gonna get chainsawed." And she's like, "I can't, I can't stand by and let this happen. I gotta drive over to this ghost town." And she goes over there and she has a shotgun and she keeps it in the back of her car because she's hyper vigilant. Let's just let me write the next movie. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Or, or I'd be happy to to take a stab at it myself. Um, yeah. Well, whatever. Uh, oh, another moment I absolutely loved in this that made me scream is when again because I didn't really care about the characters and I have trouble with this anyway, if I've only seen a movie once, uh, when the girl goes into the, the orphanage, the Madeline house to (laughs) get the deed or trying to find the deed and Leatherface shows up and he throws his mallet at her so hard in the chest that she falls through the floor into the crawl space. Yes. And is barely, 
barely winded and manages to uh to escape i believe um and then there's the whole scene where the chainsaw's running through the floor like he's about to cut the fucking house in half while she's down there squirming around trying to find a way out i thought that was fantastic yeah i mean what more can you ask for in a movie called texas chainsaw massacre Exactly. But let's let's maybe let's skip to the ending here. We'll we'll wrap this up. Uh, but uh, I, I think the ending needs its own discussion um, because what happens? Our heroes, our last survivors, which are Elsie Fisher and her sister, find Leatherface, or they're I don't know if they're hunting him or if he's hunting them. I forget. But they're in a house and uh, with a conspicuous pool of water in the middle that has been flooded, even though it's the middle of Texas in a ghost town and it should have dried up years ago. And Elsie Fisher basically tries to shotgun him. There's a big fight. There's flying chainsaws. Long story short, they fuck up Leatherface and he he goes down to Davy Jones's locker quite um, uh, unambiguously. Well, before he does that, he he gets half drowned and then jumps out of the water like fucking Shamu, which I appreciated. <laughs> That's the second time I've heard him compared to like a, a a large fish. Yes, that's what he does. He goes. Did you did you see that on Twitter, Chris? No, I did not. I was just like, oh, who comes out of the water like that except something at fucking SeaWorld? <laughs> But also, like, I entirely expected that. Was that a surprise to you at all? I mean, I, I um, the he was absolutely in which he jumping out of that water. Okay. The manner right. in which he came out of the water, the the the, the way he, he had so much air and momentum behind him shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they eventually kill him for real and they, they drown him. And he seems to be unambiguously dead. You even get that little like. Well- it's ambiguous though fi- because- you get that like final final b- bubble of water coming up to the surface and like yeah we drowned him we drowned his ass uh, we got him but like uh, i was so confused i mean you know it is intentionally ambiguous because you know fucking spoiler alert he that's not the end of him but the way in which he was killed quote unquote was so confusing i forget if elsie or, or or melody kills him but at first it looks like he might be decapitated and then it kind of looks more like maybe they just grazed him in the chest. It's very unclear. And th- there's a lot of unclear editing in this film. There's a lot of moments where like just spatially things are off. It's like, how did they get from there to there? And it's not, and it's not like movie magic where they're fucking with your <laughs> intentionally fucking with your perception of space, but no, it's just, no, no. it's poorly executed. But then I, I really like the ending. Am I alone in that? Did you guys like the oh, ending? Oh, you are alone in that, baby. <laughs> I, I You are not alone, my friend. Okay. <laughs> I'm in your corner on this one. <laughs> oh, I'm alone on that. <laughs> Very because, good. Because Elsie and her sister escape, and they get into their self-driving Tesla, or Tesla oh knockoff, that, that we uh, have seen them driving in at the beginning of the movie and everything. Yeah, which was fucking telegraphed in the first five minutes of the movie, where it's like, okay, yep. let's show you conspicuously show you the autopilot how's this gonna play into the movie well it doesn't except for in the best way because she turns on the autopilot and they're about to leave and they're like oh thank god we got away from leatherface and killed his ass and then leatherface of course smashes the window drags the sister out through the window like the mom in nightmare on elm street and just saws off her head right there in the street and holds it up like a trophy very very shocking sort of old school horror ending but then we get the 
you know what haters gonna hate i thought it was a beautiful homage <laughs> <where> <laughs> oh, to what elsie fisher is hanging out the sunroof of the tesla that's Ugh. being autopiloted away screaming <laughs> much like sally at the end of the first movie i Dude, thought it Chris, was, i thought it was clever i thought it was on. cute this is like a joke that you would write on gtat this is like yes, how you would write like the it. modern sequel to texas chainsaw massacre and, and you're like sally gets in a tesla and drives away at the end it was so stupid like this movie is immediately dated like the moment it came out it was dated are, are you saying that elon musk's self-driving car technology is not gonna catch on and be a be the standard for automotion in the next 10 to 20 years <laughs> it was so bad dude it was so bad i just i just literally like yelled wow allowed for at least a minute straight after this was over i did too but at this point in the movie i felt like that's what i deserved and i leaned yeah. into it yeah nothing you know, so was hilarious. at this point in the movie so let's just have some fun let's make some memes and honestly here's <laughs> yeah. here's the version or the interpretation of this movie to me that makes sense is that this movie was just trolling us for thinking that there could be a requel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre that could be as impactful or as resonant as the original. It's like, oh, oh, you think that's a thing? Well, fucking, I got a movie for you, motherfucker. Well, I think they tried, and this movie did have kind of a troubled production. It was, yeah, first the directors of all, walked off. Right. Or were they walk? Did they walk off, or were they fired? I, but they reshot. I heard they they reshot everything. They reshot everything they had done, um, and then it was supposed to come out theatrically. And then the pandemic hit, and then it just winds up being dumped to Netflix. Like, and probably got seriously whittled down in the process. I think there was a lot of time spent thinking, "What do we do with this piece of garbage? Like, this isn't going to land with almost." any of the demographics that we have tested it for because it doesn't deliver on pretty much anything that it promises and then we get this um well it's also rather utterly fascinating well it's also also rather inauspiciously i believe produced and written and i think also a story credit by fede alvarez who did the well better than this but still kind of mediocre uh evil dead remake slash boot from fucking probably 10 years ago at this point god more than that actually really um, wow god, yeah I'm and old. it's weird i people people love that movie um as time goes on and i'm kind of curious yeah it's really built up a fan following even among people who really respect evil dead so i'm curious to mm. revisit the unrated version mm. um which i don't know how easy that is to find but uh yeah i don't know and then the director uh david david gordon blue um I don't really know what he's... <laughs> I got that. Okay. I don't, I don't really know uh where he's from or what, what he's up to, but uh but yeah, the Fetty I think there was a lot of uh fans put a lot of stock in Fetty Alvarez spearheading this project. Mm. And I don't think it even having f the faintest memories of the Evil Dead remake, like I don't see a trace of his influence in this. It really does feel like there was a lot of studio meddling, a lot of changing personnel and they just had to figure out how to capitalize on this cheap piece of garbage the best way they could. Yep. Which is why we spent <laughs> an hour and a half talking about it today. Oh, also, and, and also Leatherface is going back to the original house. So, you know, whoop-de-doo or whatever the fuck. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, my question is, 
Okay, so he's gone back to the house. Uh, so he's gonna start fucking shit up. He's gonna keep fucking shit up. He's not going back there for sanctuary. I mean, maybe initially, but who in that family is still alive? And have they continued to like inbreed? You know, what kinds of new mutants might exist within Nobody's that house? Alive. If any? No one's alive. They're all dead. And the movie. Grandpa's still alive. He's 150. Oh, <laughs> and the movie they doesn't could get care. away with Grandpa still being alive. That would be fun. You know, it's just more of this signifier bullshit. You know, it's like the Millennium Falcon showing back up in The Force Awakens or whatever. Like, what does that actually mean in the text of the movie that he's going back to the house? It means nothing other than, oh boy, you know, here's some, here's another fucking nugget to throw to the fanboys. He's going back to the house. Like, that. it means nothing for the character of the movie or the plot. I think it means a decent amount for the character as he is set up in this movie. Really? I I think I would have been unhappy without that post-credits sequence. Oh my God. As dumb as that sounds. Wow. I hate, as dumb I hate as that what you're sounds, saying, but I totally Steven understand why you're saying that. Stinger. Yeah, like hit us with your hit us with the chips. I hit do not I do not want to I don't want a sequel, but this movie really does what a lot of like what the Halloween movies did, especially Halloween Kills kind of setting the killer up as like the misunderstood hero i don't like that as a trope but if that's if that post credit sequence didn't exist in this movie i think i would have felt a little bit cheated because he's been straight for maybe i'm crazy years. he's gone straight he's been in the orphanage being the good boy for 50 years cheated and i think he still wants to be a good boy i think he's like oh they took my home away from me i'm gonna go back home and maybe maybe somebody will help me like calm down again and i and help me <laughs> inexplicably uh bury my chainsaw behind uh, here's, one here's of these what walls i want to so I... be same shot he's he's creeping up on his old house it's the house the iconic okay. house we all recognize it but there's a van yep. parked outside comcast <laughs> And he goes inside. He goes inside, and there's a t- he has a TV, and he turns it on, and he's watching Fox News Channel. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> so, uh, what are we watching next ending. episode? If if any of our listeners have any final thoughts, we will we will open the floor to final thoughts if you have them. But if not, that's okay too, because it's time to spin the wheel of death and figure out what the hell we're watching next time. I've got good news for everybody. Rob Zombie's Halloween currently on Netflix. Oh, God. It was the number one recommended movie to me today when I logged in, actually, to revisit this movie. Wow. All right. Well, it's time to spin the old wheel of death. So we're going to bring out the wheel, load it up with every horror movie on Netflix, and we're going to see what the hell we're watching next time. So I'm spinning it. Cyber wheel. It's fancy. Can't can't even stand this tension. We're gonna watch Eli Roth. The oh my god, is that with film? Oh, is that starring Denzel Washington, or am I thinking no, of that's, that's the book, book of, Eli. of Eli? That's the book of oh, Eli. Oh, okay. this is damn it. God, there's not even a description, but it's it's a it's the one with the little <laughs> boy. It's the it's, it's the it's the it's the wish brand Jacob Tremblay getting strapped into a chair. The Wish brand Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> yes. I gotta look this up. What the fuck is this? Eli, they got him in the chair. They're, they're, they got a vice on his head, and he's saying, no, no. And they're saying, you know, you're a gifted boy. And then his, his face is turning colors, and God knows what's going to happen after that. May not be uh, suitable for ages 17 and under. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm, I'm, I'll be there. 
Eli. That's our movie. So you can join us in two weeks. We will be talking about that, or actually closer to three weeks if you're listening live. And thank you to everybody who's been listening live and chiming in on the discussion. Uh, We're lucky to have you all. I can't believe you would sit here and listen to three uh, basically strangers talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022 for an hour and a half. But you did it, so God bless you. Listen, they've been listening to their friends talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre for an hour and a half. No, we're family. The Saw's family. That's true. Family. Everybody here. Uh, the before pick on Instagram says, I think you should just watch the Book of Eli. <laughs> Maybe we'll do so a double make feature. Make you will. Eli and the Book of Eli, and then the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That would be a franchise. And the Book episode. of Henry. We can throw the Book of Henry in there, too. The Book Classic of Henry, Club. yes. Oh my With God. Jacob Tremblay, I believe. Right? Isn't it he all, in there? Yeah, it all comes full circle. Oh, Six my God. All the connections. <laughs> good lord well the, thank you all again for joining us that's the texas chainsaw massacre 2022 can't wait to talk to you next year to discuss texas chainsaw massacre 2023 <laughs> you just say no oh, oh okay yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm making a joke i knew what i was let's dispel this notion i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> chris knew exactly what he was doing all right but until then, the thing i love about recording live is that we just we can't go back once you say it it's out there it's out know? there you have to just live with regret for the rest of your life <laughs> we we have we have eight people here with their cell phones right now fucking filming us putting us on instagram live they're gonna you know, try anything and we get canceled yeah, just like leatherface that's, that's the thing i did i i you know i did a little affirmation session today i said you're not gonna say anything that gets you canceled today you're not gonna say anything that gets you canceled today. <laughs> anyway that's our show thank you all so much again and for every horror movie on netflix i'm chris i'm patrick I'm Steven. And we will see you next time. Goodbye.